Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have designer, photographer, Jennifer Bin on the show to discuss her life in Shanghai, her photography journey, and her thoughts on what UX and UI should be and how it could be improved. We touch on our love of films and books and what inspires Jennifer's work on a daily basis. This week's episode is brought to you by Learn Squared. If you're looking to do creative work in the entertainment industry, Learn Squared is the school to show you how. Learn Squared is an online art education platform that is founded and powered by industry-leading creatives from around the world. Our mission at Learn Squared is to show you how to achieve your artistic dream of having a career in the creative world. If you feel you have the passion and dedication it takes to make it in this competitive environment, head over to LearnSquared.com and begin your journey. So here we go, everybody. Episode 163. Let's roll. So first off, thank you, uh, Andrew. Actually, introduced me to your work, and then I was, and then I noticed, I figured you're uh, you're attached or have worked with uh, Arielson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I've. We never worked on anything like a project together, but I think we've always kind of been talking about. I think we're like really interested in similar things, but we yeah. just kind of have different focuses. Like he kind of focuses more on. Um, you know, the technical clothing and the fashion and stuff, whereas I do a lot more kind of image-based kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but I think we're like driven by similar things, whether it's like science fiction or like cyberpunk or, you know, something like that, similar topics. That's cool. I mean, where does that love of cyberpunk or that the love of capturing images like this come from for you? I think I've always just kind of grown up with like reading a lot of science fiction and also um, watching a lot of like anime and reading manga that is very heavy in science fiction. So, you know, I grew up watching like obviously like Ghost in the Shell, but also um, like Witch Hunter Robin and some more kind of dystopian science fiction. One of my favorite mangas when I was growing up is like Eternal Sabbath, which is really about looking at, you know, what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to be like genetically engineered and finding your identity. So I, I think like I've always kind of that that's a topic that's really intrigued me ever since I was younger. Hmm. Um, and I don't think I started taking photos really until I moved to Shanghai, which is about three years ago. Okay. I think when I moved here, it was more like I started seeing you know the architecture, um, the cityscapes, and that was like, really reminiscent of the kind of imagery that I would see in science fiction when I was younger. So I was like, okay, wait, this is crazy. Like, how come no one's taking photos of this? And, you know, especially I think in the West, people don't think of China or Asia even as a place where it's like the pace of development is really fast. And, you know, it's quite futuristic here, but I, I don't think um, the general perception, especially of China is like that, especially in the U.S. and, you know, in Canada where I grew up, so part of me wanted to just, you know, go out and take photos and show people, you know what, like, it's crazy. Like, there's lots of crazy architecture here. There's lots of crazy sci-fi, futuristic stuff here. And, you know, you guys have to come and see this. Yeah. So I think my approach is something kind of similar to that, where it's like, I wanted to expose people and I wanted to show people, you know, new things that maybe they haven't seen before. I love it because your Instagram account kind of takes me through a lens of your your, your viewpoint. 
on Shanghai, you know, and it's just, it does feel like this, especially from a Westerner, you know, like in California. So it's so new, you know, it's very, it's very new. And um, so I imagine is lots of parts of Shanghai, but like, it's mostly flat. There's not a lot of buildings. It's mostly a sprawl, whereas Shanghai looks to just be built up and it's cool to get a perspective because it feels very quite science fiction and alien compared to where I live, you know, because of the neon and the colors and just the, the enormity of it and, and the clash against nature with the clouds and all the atmosphere and stuff, which is really cool. I'd, I'd probably pick up a camera if I lived there too, you know, like, cause it's just so seems so cinematic. Right. So. Yeah. And like, I think, I mean, obviously the kind of photos that I have is only a small part of, you know, what the city is, mm-hmm. but, um, I think that's, one of the things I really love about living here is that, you know, there's just so much, whether it is the more sci-fi stuff, and of course there's more, you know, traditional cultural things. And I think the really wonderful thing is that, you know, they're able to incorporate all of that together and everything has, you know, there's so many layers. It's like, you know, this really traditional kind of cultural layer where there are parts of the city where, you know, it looks a lot more dystopian and, you know, people are crammed into these really small houses, you know, in these really, almost like a little bit run down communities, but right behind that is like these crazy 80 story buildings that they had just built. So I, one of the things that I really like to capture is like this contrast. Mm. And I feel like there's not a lot of places you can do that in. And Shanghai is one of those places. Mm. Seems like it's, yeah, it's got a lot of contrast to it. I would imagine. Um, how long have you been in Shanghai for um, I moved here, I think December of 2014. So almost three years now. Okay. Not too bad. And and how do you like it? Are you going to stay there for a while? Or it looks like you travel a lot as well, but, um, yeah, I travel like a significant amount, but I, I do really like being here because I feel like is I feel like it's a city that, you know, is still kind of growing and is still trying to find its identity and is trying to figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like being here at, at this moment is like a really exciting time where you just see a lot of things, you know, changing and moving really quickly. And yeah. And part of, part of me wanting to stay here is to like kind of capture that change as well. Yeah. Cause already I see, you know, like old neighborhoods being demolished and being replaced. And the crazy thing about that is that the pace of construction here is so fast. So sometimes, you know, I leave, and I travel for two weeks and I come back and like the shops or the houses on my street is like gone. Wow. So it's like, it's super crazy. So part of that is just like, okay, I want to go and take pictures because you know, who knows, maybe next week it's not going to be here. Hmm. Yeah. Like an urgency to go and capture it. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah it seems, it just seems like such a vast, really unique spot. Is there a couple spots inside the city that you really enjoy? I imagine there's got to be a couple like buildings. Cause I remember seeing some of the photos that you have where you're like, I, I'm, I'm a super afraid of heights. So I don't know. <laughs> I get like, <laughs> I get vertigo just looking at your photos on my phone, like thinking to put my legs off the side of like <laughs> 80 plus or however long tall these buildings are. But is there a certain place in, in the city that you really quite enjoy capturing or is it just anywhere and everywhere that you go about? Definitely um, some of the older neighborhoods. So there's a neighborhood um, in Shanghai called People Square. So uh-huh. this neighborhood is, um, so what was kind of developed first, because the city is quite old, like it goes way back to like, I don't know, the 1500s. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it's always been 
kind of at least a settlement. But I think in the 16 and 1700s, like European settlers came and started building out the area closest to the river. So that area is called the Bund. So then a lot of locals ended up moving out to just right behind the Bund. So that's where a lot of the old houses are. So um, there's these houses that are built kind of in the 1800s to early 1900s that are called Nongtang. So these are the traditional kind of Shanghainese housing that people mm. lived in. Mm. And then during, so these houses tend to be one family per house. And then during the Cultural Revolution, they started cramming like a bunch of families in. So instead of having, you know, one house per family, there would be like six families in a one family house. So each family would be like in one of the rooms in these houses. Wow. So but now you know, these are kind of historical. For me, I feel like they're historical kind of remnants, you know, of history. But what's happening is that area is you know, very valuable real estate. And what's happening is that a lot of these houses are being torn down really quickly to build kind of really tall buildings. Cause there, there's like a central business district there. So mm. a lot of the buildings that I go to tend to be in that area because you can really see like the really low older buildings at the bottom. Yeah. And then you're kind of like seeing it from a bird's eye view from this like crazy vertigo, like expensive new building. So I personally like to capture that. Hmm. And part of that is like I mentioned before, the urgency of it is every time I go, it's like, oh, okay, that block is now, it's just flat. There's nothing there hmm. or something like that. So you like contrast. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. Do you, um, do, are you thinking about doing stuff that's, I don't know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but are you considering doing stuff in, in the video format too? Like taking something from the still, but like turning it and going and doing video kind of productions. And have, have you done that? Or is that something that you're interested in as things progress? Cause oh. I mean, it's so photogenic and it would be like, man, just go grab footage now and just like make a fun little story. And then you can just have this amazing backdrop, you know, I'm like envious of the location when she <laughs> and let you live because it is such a contrast yeah. to place. Yeah. It's photogenic, incredibly photogenic. Yeah. I have worked with other people on, I mean, most of it is commercial stuff. Sure. Um, so I've done like kind of like lookbook videos and stuff like that. Right now I'm starting to work on something of my own, like maybe a little, like a short film or something, hmm. but the kind of goal of that is to kind of shoot like a, cause one of the things that I, I wanted to make when I moved here was like, I wanted to make like a sci-fi film. <laughs> So I think that's something like I'm in the process of working on with some of my friends that are filmmakers. But I mean, obviously, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so a, I think it's hard yeah, task. we've like picked out a bunch of locations. So I think the location stuff that's super easy. But kind of like figuring out the narrative and like what is the narrative and what's the narrative that's suitable for this city. I think that part is quite hard. And you know, obviously, we're trying to keep elements of the city and elements of people who would be living here in that narrative. But I, that's something that kind of I'm working on now, but yeah, yeah hopefully in the near future, there would be something. Yeah. <laughs> that's know. awesome. No, it's cool. I'm just curious because I mean, maybe it's just my own nature, yeah. but I'm, you know, it's like these amazing f photographs. I'm like, wow, if you just, you could almost do like a study of architecture or something quite beautiful, you know, because there's so much, 
contrast in what you're shooting, you know, it's like, oh man, just, I, I don't know. I just, I want to go even further into it. You know, I think like, um, Netflix has, I think not Netflix is Apple TV has this thing where you can watch like, um, wallpapers that are HD, you know? So even if it was just like you're up on top of the building and you just shot at 4k and then you just let it run like a time lapse or something, then like, I don't know, that just would be such an interesting thing to, to look at and see, you know? So yeah, it's a stark contrast and interesting, very interesting stuff. Um, so you, so when you mentioned yeah. one of your goals is to make a, a, a sci-fi film, is that, is that a big endeavor that you're, is that a bucket list thing or is that something that you're going to be doing in the near future, as you mentioned, or is there something else that you have an agenda for? Um, I definitely want to do it because I don't think I will be living here forever. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it before I leave because I, for some reason, that's one of the things I wanted to do when I moved here. Sure. I don't know why I wanted to do it because I've never been interested in like, filmmaking or anything like I love films I love watching movies but I never thought of myself as a filmmaker Mm. or you know anything like that but when I moved here I would be like because I always felt that a lot of um because I watch a lot of science fiction movies I felt that a lot of the sci-fi movies you know are set in just really similar places and like the imagery is always like oh it's in space or like oh, it's like the Bradbury building in LA or something like that. It's like you've kind of seen that so much that some of it is like a stereotype. Yeah. Whereas when I moved here, I'm like, this is super crazy. Like people don't, people aren't familiar with this imagery. So it would be, you know, super cool to make something here and, you know, maybe have a different narrative and, you know, maybe have like Asian people in a narrative or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, Are you talking about a certain know, film called Shell, Ghost in the Shell? No. <laughs> it's totally, no, it's totally fine. You know, like, and I agree, you know, like, um, there's been like a con- talk of like Akira being made and I'm like, man, like for these kind of properties that, that. Co- you, you got to really, you know, I think it's really first it's like, why would you want to do that? Because the original, you'd always live under the shadow of it. And second, it's like, um, it's, it's, it has to be so special. It has to be so unique, you know, like you're saying, you know, like uh, exposing it to something new and then why not just make something new, a new property? I mean, I get it. It's a business proposition. It's to bank money, you know, so it totally makes sense. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know how you mentioned that you like to watch a lot of movies or you're into sci-fi films. Is there something that you've seen content- like recently? Cause there's a couple things I could probably mention that I'm not sure if you've seen, but maybe you'd enjoy, um, um. I, one of my, I mean, I watched Ghost in the Shell recently and that's the thing. It's like, I actually worked on some kind of promotional stuff for them before I saw the movie. Sure. So I was like, I was really excited. And then actually I, I was in Berlin at this time and I, I was talking to Aerosmith about the movie and then, um, so he had seen the script and then he told me not to get excited about it. And I was like, <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. script is pretty <laughs> rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, so then I kind of held off watching it for a couple of months and I finally watched it like on the plane to London and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's disappointing in so many ways. You know, it's, it's mm. not like, you know, it's fine if it was just whitewashing, but then they try to explain the whitewashing and then that made it worse. <laughs> um, anyways, but one of my, I think one of my, it's fine. Speak your, happens, speak your mind. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's nobody's going to be insulted here. So much no it's good though be Um, honest about it so it's fine yeah i think one of my recent favorites has to be arrival Mm, it's actually 
Ted Chang is one of my favorite, I think, like contemporary sci-fi writers. Ted's great. I really love his books. Yeah. They're, 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 and, they're, they're contemplative and they're do sci- like yeah. this, they and, use and sci-fi as a tool, like, which is good. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't drag it out so long that you get so stuck in the details of it. You know, it's always yeah. just like, Oh, that's like super interesting. And you spend so much time just like thinking about the concept of it. It's yeah. not so much like about the character development or whatever. But yeah. I think that's what I liked about the film is that they were able to take the short story and just like really flesh it out into something that's like really believable. It's and pretty amazing it's not what like they I watched, pulled out of it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because uh, like have you have you read like, that one, the the book or the short yeah. story? Yeah. And it's it's quite yeah. different. And she's kind of an ass in there. And it's like the way that they translated yeah. it and turned it into a... I mean, Denis is, a, is quite a special look. director too. You yeah. know, he's he's a very unique director, um, and the power that he has now is pretty crazy with Blade Runner and all that stuff, and now Dune and stuff. But I was just watched one of his films last night, actually. Prisoners. Have you seen Prisoners? I have not seen that one. Oh, you should watch it. It's intense. Do you have kids? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I was just asking, but like, yeah, if you have kids, it's a real tough watch because it's 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 every parent's worst nightmare, but it's really quite intense. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's a, there's a certain thing to, uh, his, his filmmaking that is quite unique and I think it lends itself well to sci-fi. But again, sci-fi is just, is just a theme. It's not, it's, it's like what you skin, you know, it's, but the story that I think that's what makes Ted's work so good is because he's singing about story beyond like, you know, oh, he's wearing a cool gun, you know, or, you know, the building's decorated yeah. this way, which is the surface thing. I think he goes deeper into it, more of the phil- philosophical ideas and, you know, a simple themes done really interestingly, I think, which is cool. I, I enjoyed Arrival as well, like quite a bit. I really, I saw it twice in the theater. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was quite unique and it was a cool take on sci-fi, you know, it had a lot of interesting things into it. Yeah, there's a, I mean, I- sorry, go ahead. Um, I think that's what I like about sci-fi is not necessarily about, you know, what we think the future is. It's more, a lot of it is like a commentary on, you know, things that are happening today, right? It's like, we take, I mean, obviously the world today is super complex and a lot of sci-fi kind of takes one concept and imagines the future where it's like, okay, what if this is a real problem? What does that look like? But it's not necessarily about, you know, the future. It's about what could happen now, and what is happening now and just like amplifying that. So I think yeah. for me, that's what I really like about science fiction and, you know, a lot about like kind of movies that are set in the future. Yeah. It's not like, I think the future is going to be like that. It's just like, okay, like climate change, what, what will happen if we don't do anything about it? Yeah. It, like it helps people grasp things better. Yeah. Well, that's when you use sci-fi. When you use sci-fi, right, I think it, it, it's, it's used as a mirror of a re- reflection on humanity and our, and our deepest, darkest impulses and also our, um, our weirdest parts about us and, 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 and exactly as you mentioned. So I think, um, have you focused or watched any films? Um, man, I keep drawing a blank. Let me look up his name. Um, Primer. Have you seen the film Primer? The short film Primer? Or the film Primer? No, I- sorry. I think I I wanted to watch it, but I, I don't know because I I feel like it's really intense, and I'm not really good with intense movies. So I'm oh, like, yeah. mm, <laughs> Prisoners is incredibly yeah. intense. The whole film is like, <laughs> yeah, but it's really good though. I, I like those experiences because they're so raw and like it's almost like it's like mm-hmm. a, car- a carnival ride. Well, Primer wasn't 
that intense actually. I mean, it had moments, but, okay. but Shane Carruth is the director and he did a, he's done a couple other films and he's got a really interest, interesting perspective. You, have you seen his films before? Um, he has another one before primer, right? That was like quite like a cult favorite. I don't, I haven't seen it because a lot of my friends tell me his movies are intense. So I'm like, I, I'm not ready. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think they're in that, but I watch a lot of really crazy films. So, mm. um, no, I believe primer is his first film and then he released upstream color. Um, that's his mm. late, latest one, I believe. Right. So. Right. And upstream color is, is really great too. It's, but it's, again, it's very unique, but wasn't that one, wasn't that, there was like another movie that was like inspired by primer and the way that that time travel is right. Or yeah. Something yeah. Like that. It's a um, looper. looper yeah. Looper. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of and looper? I didn't really like that. One. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, um, it, it, was okay. it was too like, it was too much. Like, I think the concept was cool, but like, I think, the people and the characters were so macho and I'm like, not, not that into it. <laughs> yeah. It definitely has a, a masculine, uh, sense to it. That's for sure. Um, have you seen, have, have you watched any like the black mirror shows? Have you watched any of those? I watched the first two seasons. Mm. I don't think I watched the third season, but yeah. yeah, that one is definitely like one of my favorites now. That's intense. That's really intense. So there's, but there's some that are like, I would say more romantic in some ways, you know, it's not like just high energy, high action kind of like you have to be thinking all the time. I mean, there's definitely that one, um, where she's, that girl's like kidnapped all the time. Yeah. That one's really intense. I love that one. That one's the white bear or whatever. Yeah. No spoilers though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or white rabbit. I think I can't remember which one. Yeah. Yeah. White rabbit. Yeah. That was great. Um, But that's the interesting thing for me about because I watch a lot of like Japanese kind of anime and stuff, mm-hmm. and I find that like American or at least like Western science fiction, a lot of it is like really macho and it's about kind of like almost like cowboy films but made into sci-fi. Yeah, that's where whereas, we come from. <laughs> yeah, but whereas a lot of like Japanese or even just like Asian kind of sci-fi or like even fantasy is like. A lot of it about a lot of it is like kind of it's either like romance, which is a really common theme actually. Sure. Or it's kind of like about um, coming of age or something like that. So it's like di- really different themes, and I think mm-hmm. for me that's that's super interesting. Yeah, there's a spectrum though. Like, that's for Akira, sure, right? Akira is actually like a coming of age story. Yeah, yeah. It's many things, but that's <laughs> one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um. Yeah, there's a. I was. I've been watching a lot of the Studio Ghibli stuff too, like Spirited Away yeah. and re- revisiting all those films, uh, How's Moving Castle and stuff, and just like how how much I love that stuff because it's so whimsical and random and kind of chaotic, but it all makes such perfect sense. It's a really interesting journey. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Did you have you seen the uh, the documentary? on uh miyazaki i think it's like the kingdom of clouds and madness or something like that uh let's see i've seen a similar one i don't know if it's that exact one um but i have been to like the studio juvi museum in tokyo and it's like crazy yeah i don't know if you've been but like when you go everything is set as if it's their studio (laughs) so so there's just like sketches and paintings just like everywhere on the walls on the tables and mm. it kind of feels just like 
they just went on a lunch break and you're in their studio just like snooping around. It's, <laughs> it's really fun. That's right. I, I heard about it. I was in Tokyo. I didn't get a chance to go over there. I was actually going to go visit the studio, but I got held up with some other things. So, yeah. Have you spent much time out in Japan? Um, I usually end up going to Tokyo like once a year-ish because I have some friends there. Uh, um, jealous. That's a lot of it is a lot of it is just to like kind of shoot stuff sure. and just hang out. It's not for work or anything. Andrew's there. He's taking pictures of trash. That's what he's doing right now. He's like, that's his obsession. He take, it's but, called but Trash in Tokyo. But there is no trash in Japan. No, there he finds it all. no trash. Yeah, he finds it all and takes photos it's, of it. It's like in people's wallets. Like people carry their trash in their bags and sure. then they go home and they start it in their 15 different recycling bins. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. Cool, because they're smart. They're consuming it at a pretty high rate, but they're, they're smart about their consumption, which is great. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's what he's doing out there right now. Actually, that's what he's out in, in Japan, the promised land, taking pictures of trash. You oh, mentioned, gosh. uh, so you mentioned arrival. Is there other films that kind of st- have stuck out to you in the near, in the recent, t- in recent time that you've enjoyed? Um, hmm. A few and far between, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I think now I just try to read more. Mm, that's uh, good. Like one of one of my, and also I find with reading, it's like easier to control the intensity of it. Because sometimes <laughs> I feel like when I'm watching a movie, I'm like not in control of what's happening. So sure. I just feel like I'm being dragged through something. Whereas with reading, um, you're more in control of the pace and everything. Mm. But one of them, I've been really into like the robot series by Isaac Asimov. Like oh, I okay. just binge read all of them actually. It's, that's really interesting. Um, and then another one that I've been really into is like the three body series. So the three body problem, because I think that's one of notes is seeing as one of the leading like Chinese kind of sci-fi writers. So like really interesting to see science fiction from like a Chinese perspective, hmm. like the way he writes about the government, the way that his characters are, the way the characters react to kind of like aliens Earth is really different from, I think, um, the three like body the problem. Is that what it is? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's three books now. The first one is the three body problem. That's the one I think that he won a Hugo for. Hmm. He won some sci fi award. I forget exactly. It's either the Hugo or the Nebula. I forget. Oh, that's cool. So that's the first one. And then there's another one. The second one is called Dark Forest. Dark Forest? It's, okay. It's related. Yeah, the dark forest is related, but it's kind of a different theme. And then the last one is called World's End or Death's End. I forget the exact name, but also very interesting. Also a different theme, but it's like a trilogy, so it's like all related. I can't pronounce his name because I'm American, so but it's like C I X I N. Yeah, it's like L I U C I X I N. Yeah, Death's End is the other book. Okay. I'm adding these to my Audible. So there's the Dark Forest. Yeah, so the first book is The Three Body Problem. The second book is The Dark Forest. And then the last book is Death's End, I think. Mm. Recommended then, I think they're... I highly recommend the first one. That one's the most, I think, interesting in terms of, like, concept. Mm -hmm. His writing can be a little bit, like... There's not a lot of character development, I have to say. Like, the characters are quite static. Mm. But the, the way that he thinks about science fiction and the concepts that he has, like, in the books are very interesting. Okay. I like that, yeah. I'm reading, a, or I'm listening to, I do a lot of Audible, so I'm listening to Change Agent, it's called. Have you listened to that one? 
or read that book? No, I think I have. It's a, uh, it's good. Uh, it's about, um, it's about uh, that genetically altering. Um, I always forget the name of it. It's some kind of crazy. Uh, let's see if I can read it here. It's CRISPR. Have you heard of CRISPR? C R I S P R. Yeah, it's basically yeah. about CRISPR genetic engineering. It's pretty interesting. It's by Daniel Suarez, who's so written a bunch like of other a, stuff. So it's like a novel. Yeah, this is a novel. Yeah. So it's like a novel. It's like a start. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Like CRISPR is really crazy. Like yeah, the amount of kind of element in the past like two or three years. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a quite a hot topic, right? I mean, genetically altering mm-hmm. the human species. I mean, that's when really things are going to really get crazy. <laughs> kind of like Gattaca, you know? Like, did you enjoy Gattaca? That's, that's, that's actually possibly my favorite movie of all time. Mm. What is it about that movie that is a favorite of yours? Because it's, it's, it's one of mine as well, but I'm curious. And I also have another one I'm curious if you've seen before. I think just in terms of, like, imagery, like what I love about the movie is that it's really timeless. You know, they made it in like 1995 or 1996. Yeah. But it could be a contemporary movie. Like they could have made it now. They didn't date and you it. Wouldn't yeah. think that's exactly. I think. And then, and I, it's very isolated too. It's not a big film. Yeah, there's no cityscapes, you know, right. I love the cinematography. Like I love all the locations that they picked. Yeah. Like great architecture. And I love kind of the contrast that they have between like indoor scenes and outdoor scenes. And like one of my favorite scenes is like when him and his brother are swimming across, like they're swimming in the sea. Yeah. And it's like an aerial view and it's like, and then the the score is amazing. The music, Mm -hmm. the soundtrack is amazing. Like I just, I feel like I love like every element about the movie. Like Mm -hmm. I love the casting that they did. I love the clothes that they were wearing. Like, obviously, I really like kind of um, the topic and the plot. I think especially for when they made it, it was a very hot topic as well. Yeah. And it's quite a yeah, unique it's topic, overall, too. Yeah, yeah, very. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely my favorite movie. Like, I watch it maybe two or three times a year. It's a great movie to study, too. And I think f- uh, filmically, is it's, it's a beautiful film. It's paced well. It's edited well. It's smart. It has, it like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't age. It's not dated. It has its own longevity because of its like the choices. I actually, um, the gentleman who did production design on Ghost in a Shell also did Gattaca, and so when I found out that I was like when I was when I met him when I was in New Zealand, I was like, man, yeah, this is so crazy. Like he worked on. <laughs> freaking uh, this masterpiece of sci-fi i really love that film and yeah he was really quite humble about it i think he didn't even, he was like yeah it was cool you know it's like damn that's crazy <laughs> I, I, imagine, I imagine it's some way, a much better position to be a fan rather than behind the curtains you know um like mm-hmm. I, I i didn't get i didn't get a chance to work on the latest blade runner and actually part of me is really kind of thankful because if it's a great film i get to really enjoy it as a fan rather than like pick it apart because I was a part of it, you know, so you get to really digest it and stuff. Is that something that you might be interested in as well as like working on a bigger film or adapting these things? Is that something that of consideration? Um, I'm happy to just do location scouting for things. I think. Sure. Sure. I think that's a job in itself. Yeah. yeah, It's a bit too complicated. Cause one of the things I love about uh, like even just traveling or, you know, being in China is just going out and like finding things and like t- obviously taking photos is part of it. But I think a lot of what drives it is like 
this exploration and wanting to just discover new things and maybe discover perspectives that people haven't seen. So actually, I think I would love to be like a location scout. <laughs> yeah. That would be quite fun. Yeah, there's definitely positions for that too, you know, and, and I think I think it would be smarter to go and film a lot more. Like I would love to go out to China and film because I think it's so unique and, and you get a good DOP there and a cool story. You can make such interesting things, you know, like I think, um, let's see, like, have you seen Lost in Translation? That was in Japan, obviously, but I love the, yeah. the feeling of that world just felt super rad. Like just had that really, you know, alien feeling, but it, to the Westerner, obviously, yeah. you know, so which I think is really cool too, but <laughs> there's definitely a position for that. Um, what do you shoot with? I'm just curious about, cause I'm, I imagine people probably ask that of you all the time, but is there a certain type of gear that you like to shoot with a certain type of lens that you trust the most? Or like when you, if you just were to be able to grab your, your body and a couple lenses, what do you grab? Um, I usually have my main camera is a Sony a7R2. Okay. I think my favorite, favorite lens is, so Sigma makes a 20 millimeter F1.4 lens. That's my favorite. I lost the first one that I had, so I went off immediately and bought the second one. Because oh. um, I really like having like these wide shots. Mm. And even with portraits, I, I like to take portraits with like a really wide lens because it forces you to get like super close to the subject. So that's one of my favorite lenses. Um, I also have like an ultra wide that's like a 12 24. Um, I just have kind of everything because now I've been doing more commercial things. And you know, when you shoot for brands, you kind of have to have a bunch of different things. So I have a 50, I have an 85. Um, I have a Mavic for aerial stuff. I still shoot a lot on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the new one? It's, what are your thoughts on like the iPhone X? I guess it's called. I don't like it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also like a, I'm a UX designer. I'm a UI UX designer. So I'm just like, I just see that thing at the top and I'm like, no, I have to design everything around that. So that's what I don't like about oh, it. Oh, the cutout because the camera yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I don't know why dumb. they did that. Yeah. It wasn't. It's just so yeah. dumb. Like just make it a bit smaller. I don't understand. Yeah. Or make it so um, it's, it's more but, fluid, unique yeah, around it. Yeah. I, I did update my phone to like the latest iOS 11 and it's like, not that bad it's there's some cool stuff there yeah I mean, apple for the most part they really do know what they're doing you know so they they figured out some pretty amazing things um that's one thing i wanted to get into next as you mentioned um you know ui ux and stuff um so you mentioned mm-hmm. i think on your website is like blackberry is that right am i getting that right yeah i worked i worked with blackberry before i moved to china so i was there for like in toronto years. right um, so it's in Waterloo. Okay. So it's like just outside of Toronto. Okay. It's about an hour drive from Toronto. All right. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. like, a, that was like, I was there at like a very interesting time, I think. Okay. It was like, I was there when they were just kind of building the first touchscreen film that they were doing. Hmm. Um, so it, it was a bit weird because it was like super secretive and like people got fired because they leaked photos of the phones and stuff like that. Sure. But I was working on, um, so internally they have a team called Foresight, which is kind of like really conceptual. I mean, essentially what we did was try to come up with like really crazy ideas for maybe four to five years into the future and then just like patent that. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of patent trolling, I think. Sure. Yeah. That That's how they're making so, money though. So it makes sense. Yeah. So I think that was quite frustrating too for me because I want to, you know, to build something that people are using, not just like build a bunch of things and they have those patented and then, you know, they're just like in a drawer somewhere. And then five years later, you take that piece of paper out and then sue someone. Yeah. So that's also why I was like, well, I don't know if I could be here. I mean, also at the same time, there were a lot of, in terms of like management, in terms of like that stuff, a lot of stuff was going on. Sure. So it was like a really weird, messy, interesting time. How did you come into <laughs> doing that role though? I'm curious because that's, um, and working with a company like that, because yeah. I mean, that, that's a particular thing, to, right? Because I, I went to school in Canada, so I studied um, I studied industrial design in Ottawa. Okay. So the school has like a relationship with the company. So I started off like just kind of doing like an internship, and then that transitioned into something more full time. You're native born to Canada, yeah. then. So you're you're Canada citizenship, then, right or no? So yeah, I have a citizenship, but I was born um, in China. Okay. So, but I left. So I think I left when I was three or four. So my parents moved to Singapore first and then we moved to Toronto when I was like 11. Okay. So that's why I like watch a lot of like anime when I was younger because I was living in Singapore and, you know, we didn't really have a lot of the Western shows. We just had like a lot of Japanese shows. So I, up until about 10, 11, I was just like only watching Japanese anime. <laughs> and then I moved to Canada and it was like, oh, it's just like SpongeBob and like Fairly yeah. Odd Parents and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was like really it was it was interesting because it was quite different yeah definitely different <laughs> just a little bit everything is different yeah that's okay yeah, that's interesting so you got your degree out in ottawa and then the job that you landed out of that was with blackberry or you, you had other odd jobs that were like in between until that that job landed no, I worked for BlackBerry like right after school. Okay, cool. So like right for the transition from there. Yeah. Have you been doing UX, UI kind of stuff since then? Or is that kind of, is that your bread and butter? And then everything else is like something that you do out of passion? Or how does that work for you, the ratio? I would definitely, yeah. So I work full time as a designer here at like, um, it's like a design consultancy. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly the same as what I was doing at BlackBerry. It's more working with like startups. Um, it's a lot more app based. Whereas I would say when I was working at BlackBerry, it was a lot more conceptual. So we did a lot of kind of like um, combining hardware and software and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you know, it's, it's harder to push things because you know you have clients and the clients know what they want. So it is more just like using standard UI UX patterns. But what I like about working in China is that the the people that you design for is like really different and things move so quickly here that you're able to try a lot of different things. So -hmm. that's what I like about kind of doing design work here. But then the flip side of that is it is a lower quality of work. There's less, I would say there's less, kind of good designers in China. That's, I think that's changing, but at least of right, as of right now, the quality of work tends to be lower and you know, it's not as like stimulating. You can't really learn so much from people around you. Sure. But I would say there's more opportunities to do like really interesting stuff. Well, that's because, I mean, the internet then, exists, so which is great though yeah. too, right? So 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a bit different because like people in China are. Like, that's the that's the main difference I found about like the U.S. and China is that people in the U.S. are like actually quite technology averse. Hmm. You know, like people are still writing checks, whereas hey, when I leave the house, I don't. I, when I leave the house, I don't even bring my wallet. Like mobile payment is everything in China. Like every, like there will be people begging for money on the streets, and there will be a QR code that they're printed out, and you could just scan their QR code and tr- <laughs> like transfer the money. <laughs> yeah, that's not how and it is like, here. Still using like pennies and stuff and, and get out of here with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate that's it. crazy, right? And it is like, crazy. People, people of all ages are really into new technology. So VR is really big here now. Yeah. Like everyone has like VR headset. And yeah, it's really crazy. Like even my grandparents have like a Alipay wallet that they used to like send me money and stuff. Like huh. I can't, I could not have imagined that just like, two years ago even sure yeah it's 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 the moore's law thing you know that crazy amount of progressions happening and it's good that you know it's funny in this change agent book he brings up i think it's shanghai who he says like you know um silicon valley eventually crumbles like this is his philosophy in the book basically but silicon valley san francisco all that stuff they it just topples over because america's unwillingness to um, open up to science because of our, um, not our, I won't say our, cause I don't believe in what everybody else does here. Cause I, I often feel like I'm just like this Island of, <laughs> of thought out here, especially <laughs> with like Trump, Trump as the president, it doesn't make any sense, but, um, but like, you know, the, 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 the religious factor getting in the way of science and the progression of science. And now like Shanghai becomes the new superpower of the world because the embrace of, 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 technology and science and stuff like that and i it's kind of funny that you're saying that because yeah i i, I would imagine <coughs> the moment that you embrace this stuff uh is the moment that you embrace the change and you embrace like you know like well what's the point you know like why why hold off just go for it you know um i guess i can see you know reasons to refrain from using technology too much um because you're re- you're removing that personal that personal thing mm-hmm. you know but at the same time um, it's like a wave that's going to come and either you're going to, you're going to just turn your back to it or you're going to embrace it and try to swim underneath it or something, I don't know, or swim with it or something, you know, instead of just getting hit by it. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite a conundrum though, the technology and the use of technology and where it's going and, uh, the advancement of it and stuff is pretty interesting. I mean, being American and Western based, like it is very interesting seeing like where China is going, you know, and seeing the progression of it and, and just, the overall like uh yeah the status of 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 just the technology and the embracing of it's really interesting you know so especially working in technology like myself i think it's quite fascinating you know um it's cool to hear that there's a lot of users though that are advanced and really thinking forward thinking and stuff what's your thoughts on the vr ar thing are you focusing in on that more and more is this something that you're thinking is that the future I think maybe more of AR. I feel like with VR, it's still just not tangible enough. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it is hard to imagine people like deviating from their screens because people, even just here, people are so glued to their phones. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of AR now in the phone apps. So, like for example, Alipay has this thing where you can hide money in. So it's kind of like Pokemon Go, but mm. you just have like your camera app open and then you can like hide money in different places and then other people have to go look for it. 
Yeah. So they usually release this kind of stuff during like Chinese New Year where people, because for Chinese New Year, people like to exchange hongbaos, which is, which is like red pockets with money. So they do this kind of stuff like during the holidays where people have a lot of time to go out and like do stuff like this. So last year it was like super popular, this AR stuff with, with the red packets, but I feel like now you don't really see it. But that's also the thing about China is that, okay, it's like really popular for like a month and then it's done. Hmm. And then it's like onto the next. It's like an addiction. It's really though. hard to like, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to like keep traction on something. Hmm. Like apps come and go so fast. Yeah, that's interesting though. Yeah, I mean that's another scary thing because if some nothing if nothing lasts, then what does? And it's almost like in a, a technological addiction craving culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I see it like with I have a twelve year old daughter. I see her just the addiction that she has to her phone. You know, it's just like the YouTube generation and just like the clinging to that technology, that stimulation. You know, mm-hmm. that like the the likes, the Facebook likes generation. You know, it's like. When I watch stuff like the Black Mirror and stuff, I go, yeah, that's pretty interesting because it's a, like an Aesop fable of what is to possibly come if we're not right. careful. You'll see that in like in ep- season it. three, it has a lot of more of that kind of stuff in there. And, and I do feel like a lot of it is like already happening, especially I think in Asia where I think the cell phone addiction, it's much, much more like here. Like, for example, if I go out for lunch with my coworkers, there's like six of us, we're eating at the same restaurant, but we're just like putting food in our, in our mouths and looking at our phones. It's like, it's really not very social. Yeah, it's but like you're, you're social, but you're not. Yeah, yeah, you're going out to eat quote unquote together. But because I was in London last week, and I remember like just going for breakfast and people are reading newspapers. Mm, and yeah. I'm like the only one on my phone. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, culture. It's, yeah. It, yeah, like the culture is really different. Yeah. The thing I like about the um, disconnecting, though, is because, it, um, you know, a lot of times the reason why we use these applications and plugins and, and apps and all this stuff is either to A, be heard or understood or acknowledged. But nothing beats like the acknowledgement of one on one interaction with like somebody without like the 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 use of technology to get in the way of that necessarily. So like what I'm getting at is like, I really enjoy like one-on-one like hikes in the woods with my friends or, um, I do jujitsu for example, like that's a very one-on-one experience with another human being that's very intimate and very intense. Um, and I think that there's no technology that I've encountered that even comes close to like touching that. Mm-hmm. And, and the technology that tries to, it feels like a weak attempt to be something cool that's just never going to be mm-hmm. authentically good, you know? So no matter how good the UX or UI is and stuff, nothing can beat that authentic thing. What's your thoughts on good UI and UX? What's what's your, your whole mantra on that? Like what, when you think about an approach to a problem in UI and UX, what's your your thought process? What's like the staple of, of rules that you follow? I think so much, like one of the things that I hate about a lot of the tech design culture is this whole like trivialization of things. And I hate it when things are like, oh, it looks so fancy, it looks so pretty, and then you try to use it and you're like, huh, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So for me, I'm very like, I would say I'm very process driven and I'm very into testing things that I'm very into like just as soon as I can putting something into the hands of like people who could just like look at it and try it and then just observing for me, that process is really important. And I think a lot of it comes from 
I think a lot of designers have this idea that they know better, you know, than, than users. So they're like, well, I'm the expert, so I'm just going to design it the way that I know how to do it. Sure. But I don't think that's, for me, I don't think that's the right approach. I think like if people are more humble and if, you know, they're willing to spend more time kind of just observing people and like letting people try things and learning from, from users. Like I, for me, I feel like that, that's the way to go. It is the way to go. I often, I mean, yeah. Sorry I, I think it's, I mean, it's obviously very hard to do because everybody has deadlines and, you know, really tight <laughs> timelines, but you know, like I just hate going on dribble sometimes or even medium and people are like preaching this and preaching that, but it's like, okay, like instead of spending all this time reading the stuff, why don't you just actually go out and find yeah, shut up to and do it. To? Yeah, shut up and yeah. go do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate that too. It's like uh, everybody wants to contemplate and judge and think and then just like shut up and just go do it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, the work yeah. is what matters and what you have in the in the hands of people and the actions in which you do is really going to define if it works or not, you know, and your work should be mm-hmm. judged by the merit of your, your understanding and ability to communicate what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, I have a, I mean, I often work on like, UI fictitious UI stuff for films right and mm-hmm. often people go like well that would never work in real life and say of course it wouldn't it's for a film and it needs to match the yeah. style of that film you know but when it comes to uh, I did this project a couple years ago for this minimal invasive surgery company um, called intuitive surgical and I helped design the interface and UI for the um, the minimal invasive surgery basically. So doctors would go in, put their, go into this like a uh, module where they put their head into and they could see inside the body basically and use uh, these t- utensils, these tools to kind of um, make incisions and serrations and, and sew and all that kind of stuff. So that if you have to do an open heart surgery, you don't have to open up your whole chest and it ruins you. You know, it, it's like they do a couple incisions right. and then they go in there and do their surgery and then they're done. And it's a much better recovery time, and it's just a lot better, basically. And um, when I was designing the technology, like the the UI for it, it was I felt kind of bad because when I delivered my first pass, it was so underwhelming. You know, it was like very bare bones, and I had to explain to them, like guys, like I would never design like I do in films the same way I do mm-hmm. design for this because it it just wouldn't work, and I don't want to get in the way of somebody's life, you know, the yeah, life or death I, situation, I you know. That's the thing. It's like I feel like it should be as simple as possible, right? It's like, I feel like so many, I feel like so many people want to be that rock star designer, you know, and they're like, okay, yeah, so there's this flow. So like, there's this checkout flow, but I'm going to make it better. I'm going to like, just improve on it. it. I'm going to like put animations on it. I'm going to put all the stuff in it because I want to be the coolest or the best. But it's like, there's a certain reason why there are existing flows that people use is because, you know, people are familiar with these flows and people know how to use them. So just don't go around changing things for the sake of changing things sometimes because, you know, like because you change it, actually, there's a new learning curve now for people. Sure. So I always I'm always like if I could just copy something from someone, sure. you know, I'd yeah. rather do that. Well, it's already been done. Try to you... like be original or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the thing. It's like. I think people put so much emphasis on being original in design. And it's sometimes it's not about that, especially if you're shipping a product. It's not about being the most original thing in the world. It's about building something that works and something that works for people. It is not about like you as your individual achievements as a designer and your individual merits and whatever awards you win. It's not really about that. It's about just 
building something that people can use you yeah. know, with minimal effort. And I think sometimes that's why I'm not very involved in the design community because I, I feel like so many people are like that, that yeah. I rather just have my free time and go out and take photos and like do something else that I enjoy doing. It's a very noisy just, space. Like, before, like, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing about photography too. It's like, I feel like that's time I have to hang out with my friends. Yeah. It is like, you know, you're not on your phone. Yeah. It, it's very like intimate too, right? It's like, two or three people going out and like sometimes we're trespassing sometimes we're not doing fully legal things sure and you spend a lot of time together and yeah it's like for me like that's kind of my hands off the phone time too memory machine yeah you're doing memory machine yeah Yeah. so great i totally agree i couldn't agree more with what you're saying there and i think if anybody's listening to this too like um, I think that's really key. And I think so many people are defined trying. And I think the the big problem is there's not a lot of definitions between form and function and people are trying to constantly pull from one side to the other. And I think, I think for me in my mind, I mean, I don't even, I don't even call myself a designer to be completely honest. I, I just think of myself as a creative person and solving problems. If I have to, then that's what I do, you know? So, but a lot of the times it's like, Oh, did somebody, did somebody know how to make fire faster? Okay, just follow that, you know, and and then yeah. maybe alter, alter it a slightly here, like oh, sh- shift this thing a little bit here, and but you know, there's only so many times where you can do that. But there there are uh, new boundaries and new limitations <laughs> and, and new things that you can, like we're getting into the AR VR realm, and that's a huge like if you really want to make good money as a designer in that realm, like that there it is, it's about to hit, you know, and it already is hitting the AR and VR realm because there's not it hasn't been really tapped yet properly. I don't think from what I've seen, it's just really messy and all over the place and people haven't really figured out how to use it. Like everybody's still treating it like it's minority report and nobody wants to move their arms around all day long to do things, you know? So, you know, like how can we use like, you know, how can we move our eyes and how can we um, not even use voice recognition, but some kind of like intuitive version of like a user experience so that we can get to what we need faster, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's very tricky. We're in a very interesting time. I think it's really authentic. We talked about um, UI and UX. What's a UI UX experience in an app or a website or whatever that you love that you found to be very intuitive and easy to use? Mm, that's a tricky one. Hmm. <laughs> um, let me think. There are like a lot of so there's like a Chinese version of Uber that I'm like obsessed with. So it's called DD. So it is like Uber, but it's just like way better and a lot more intuitive. And like, for example, um, you could send like predefined messages to your driver just to be like, okay, I'm at this location. Okay. I'm at the lobby of the hotel. Stuff like that. It just everything that they did with it. I think they did a lot of different testing and a lot of different A-B testing and stuff. And they came out with this thing that's like really easy to use and really intuitive. And even though it's in Chinese, I have a lot of like only English speaking friends that use the app because they don't really need to be able to read Chinese. They just know, okay, like this tells them I'm here and this tells them I'm in the car or something like that. So I really like that app. It's just really simple, really easy to use. It's not anything crazy. That's like, Oh, I've never seen this interaction before. That's crazy. It's like, Oh yeah, they just took this from this other app, but it makes sense in this context. Just usable. What do you think of like yeah. apps like say Instagram, for example? What are your thoughts on Instagram? I have like a love hate relationship with Instagram. <laughs> what's the love and what's the hate? I mean, I think obvious. I think 
a lot of my friends and a lot of the creative people that I interact with, like I know them through Instagram and I don't think I would meet any of these people through Instagram. Yeah. It's pretty powerful so for that networking. Yeah. It's, it's a really great community networking tool, but obviously the way it's designed is that you're addicted to it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. really hard not to be checking your Instagram all the time and now with the stories with you know the snaps and all of the stuff it's like with the lives it's really hard not to just be on instagram every minute of the day so yeah. for me that's like the addiction I, is the bad I don't part. understand the business decision behind it but yeah. yeah for me i'm like i just need to like chill and i need to not be on instagram so much because i think it for me it also affects the way that I think and the way that I make images. Yeah, it does. Um, well, anything I mean, you do, right, me, affects your art, right? Yeah, it, it, like, it just, it's for me, like, I think of my job as, like, that's my job. That's, like, I'm a problem solver. I, you know, take briefs and I solve people's problems. I don't think of that as, like, I'm doing something super, super creative and something original. But for me, like, the photography and all of that stuff, like, that's where I feel like I have a chance to, do something a bit different and explore things that maybe other people haven't. Mm. But I find that with Instagram, it's like even subconsciously you get influenced by one, by what people like, because obviously, you know, you post pictures and some of them get more likes than other photos. And I think subconsciously that's like, okay, people want to see this. I'm going to take more photos of this, but it's not necessarily what I want to do. Yeah. And then the second part is like, looking at other people's photos and just being subconsciously influenced by how other people take their photos. And obviously on Instagram, I'm, I'm sure everyone knows, you know, there are certain photos that are really popular and certain trends also in photography that are really popular on Instagram. So I, I find that if I spend too much time on it, I just subconsciously start taking those photos and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So yeah. I have to actually just like, force myself not to look at stuff like that so now I I feel like I follow more maybe like I follow a lot of like illustrators I follow a lot of like 3D artists because I feel like okay at least that's not a photo so (laughs) I could be influenced by it and not just try to go out and take the exact same photo sure yeah I mean there's there's a a realm yeah I think it's a great place to like be inspired and to meet people but at the same time for me like I want to be just careful of the content that I consume just for myself and in, like, especially in terms of the imagery and what I want to shoot, I just want to kind of try to do something a bit different from other people. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's good to be aware of what you're eating, right? I call it like a, 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 um, a watering hole, you know, <laughs> and if all the mm-hmm. animals go to the same watering hole, if it's, if it's tampered or has like, you know, some sort of like if there's a disease rampant, they're all going to get sick. But if you can find another watering hole or something that's not as influencing on whatever it is that you're trying to do, I think that's usually um, a good way. And it's really good and important, I think, to be observant of what it is that you're doing and consuming because it's so easy to just get lost in the sea of consumption, you know, and the, the likes and the feeds and how to set these things up and I think the real key thing, though, from my standpoint, is you got to just do what feels natural and what you like. If you naturally want to be liked and understood, then there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing what you're doing in an unhealthy way, I think that's when it becomes an addiction. And it's like you're feeding into that like craving, I guess, you know, and it's like social media addiction, which is definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. It's definitely like a 
a thing that's been running rampant pretty heavily. Um, <coughs> but I, I, what, do, what do you think of the UX experience? So like the user, the UI and UX experience, is it somewhat easy to use or do you think it would be improved? And do you often dissect things when, as being a designer yourself? I definitely think so. I mean, it's definitely more noticeable when they change something. It's just like, oh, no, they changed this. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I think because they, they actually do, I think, quite a lot of A-B testing because I, yeah. I have a bunch of different accounts and I always notice that things are quite different. So I think they do enough testing for them to know, like, this works well and this doesn't. Hmm. I think in general, like, other than how they design it to be super addictive, it's quite good. And I don't think it would be addictive if the design is not good. <laughs> yeah, I know people would just wouldn't use it, you know. Um, you look at, like, websites. Like, think of websites that were once quite big. Let's say on MySpace or, like, say, like, Flickr. I guess Flickr is probably still somewhat big. But, like, do you, do you use Flickr? Um, I was using, like, 500px for a while. But I find that, like, I guess just the algorithm is not that good. So you yeah. actually... Because I spent a lot of time just, like, looking through photos on, this, on the Explorer page. And... Yeah, I find like even though people complain about the algorithm, it works quite well. Like it always is showing me stuff that's different from what's in my feed, but it's like relevant to what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky thing. All this stuff is quite tricky. But yeah, I find I find uh, Instagram to be quite interesting. It's interesting what they I mean, the A-B testing is quite interesting, too. So and just seeing what works and what doesn't and then the stats and stuff, because you know, the, all the numbers are there, you know, the, yeah. the time, the duration, the likes, the, the non-likes, the interactions, all that kind of stuff. And then kicking that information is really quite crazy because we're just so data driven. What's a dream job for you as a, as a designer? What would be like an ideal client, an ideal job, an ideal project? What would that be for you? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> um, hmm. I actually want to work on more like service design stuff. So I've been doing a lot of stuff kind of in the automotive industry now. And that's quite interesting. But everything that I've done so far is like really limited to just what's in cars. So like the instrument cluster and like the infotainment system, stuff like that. I think it would be like super interesting to do have like more of a service design approach to like the whole end to end kind of experience. But we haven't had a client like that come in yet. So hmm. That would be really cool too, yeah, especially now. With, especially now with like um, like semi-automated cars and like self-driving cars and mm-hmm. obviously like electric vehicles. I think it's like about time that the automotive industry, the way that it works, is needs to be redesigned and changed. You should reach out to Faraday Futures. Have you heard of them? think so they they do a lot of self-driving cars right i'm not too sure yeah they're kind of like a i guess they would consider themselves i am not super well versed in it but they're they're like a tesla um uh competitive mm. competitor to, to tesla but they their technology integration is quite massive um at least from what i remember there's like i think they're developing some pretty cool stuff over there but <laughs> you should reach out to them if that's something that you're interested in because i think that's definitely something that's um, definitely like a future-based car that's going to be really kind of using technology and the uh, the autonomous kind of design um, integration and stuff. I'll send you a link to it because I think you might dig it. But yeah, maybe you just reach out to them and see and like acquire them. as Because I, I know that they've been reaching out to quite a few people that I know 
in regards to like, you know, technology design and interface design, user experience design, stuff like that. So yeah, and then they're doing some pretty interesting things, I think. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely check them out. You never know. You can always just reach exactly. out and be like, Hey, I like your stuff. It could be better. Here you go. <laughs> you know, like let me help you out, you know? So um, sometimes I think that's good. I think a lot of people are worried about like, I think if you can, like if you can, str- can constructively talk crap, because like, it's one thing to just be a, like bitching about something. It's another thing to be like, this is how we can make it better. That's a whole different action, you know? So, but like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced their cars, so I have yeah. no clue. But once you sit in there, you can kind of get a good example of like, you know what? Like when I'm sitting here, I don't want to have any of this. I don't want to experience. I just want to just. I want to just read my book right now. I don't even want to worry about the road. I just want to sit here. I want to read a book or listen to some music or do a call or, you know, learn how to cook a meal. So by the time I get home, I I know how to do it or whatever it might be, you know, or, um, yeah. One thing I really want to get into is, is helping with, um, the way we consume food and help us consume food better and stuff. Cause that's always seems to be a problem and this technology could really help us with that. I think so might be a future project down the road, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more or less just kind of curious on that. Um, and your thoughts on like, uh, like photography now, what's your thoughts? Because I mean, digital in, in comparison to say like film is, do you have a, a quorum or a problem with that? Or do you care? Is it mostly about just taking the photo and sharing the experience now? Like what's, what's the future of, of photography look like in your mind? Um, I think, photography now is like super interesting with all of the social media and I mean with Instagram and I think it's moving past just still images right like you see a lot of like cinema graphs and a lot of kind of like moving still images mm-hmm. and I think that would probably get pushed even further I mean I also shoot film you know like I don't for me it's not like digital is better than film or film is digital than than sorry film is better than digital and I I hate people who say that. It's like, oh, you know, film is better for me because it helps me capture things and I don't have to think twice about it. It's like, no, you could do that with digital as well. Like, it's not like one format is better than the other, but it's about just finding the right format for you. Sure. So I, I think with digital, there's just a lot more opportunities for you to do things. Maybe some of it outside of the realm of what's traditionally considered photography. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Like, I think now, you know, with the 360 cameras, with, like, cameras for VR and stuff, I actually just shot, um, I was I was in a film that they shot on a 360 camera. Hmm. And so it's, it's basically, like, I think 12 GoPros on, like, a rig. And then I'm, like, acting in this short film. But basically... I have to memorize everything that I have to do. And then the director, everyone like hiding behind a wall. And I'm just like walking around doing things because everything is, is, you know, it's in view. Yeah. So they're like yelling at me like Jennifer turn left here. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's like quite interesting to work on something like that because I think that, you know, how we traditionally think about filmmaking or how we traditionally think about photography, you know, how do we capture a frame? How do we frame it? How do we compose the picture with a lot of like this new technology, like 360 cameras, that's really not, you know, in play anymore. And we have to think about like other parts of like, okay, what makes a scene interesting? How can we do the storytelling on this kind of new way of experiencing the world? And I think for me, like that's, 
I think that's kind of the next step, right? Yeah, it's more immersive and more involving. I think that's really the key because like, you know, I always think of like um, growing up reading comics, you know, comics is like a very curated experience of windows of, of story basically. And then, you know, in film, it's again, it's the aspect ratio. And if you really like, I don't know if you're a Stanley Kubrick fan, but I am in like 2001 Space Odyssey. There's this whole theme that like the shape of the uh, the main the main like uh, I guess they call it the uh, totally drawing a blank right now. It's a little late, but the obelisk, I guess, or the uh, man, mm-hmm. I'm t- totally messing up. But anyways, that big black object that basically is, is supposed to have evolved the monkeys to who we are um, is actually the shape mm-hmm. of the aspect ratio of the film. And so what is like this kind of commentary oh. on like the film is actually uh, a metaphor for like a, a use of a device that's used to evolve us, you know, and, and then exposing that frame and, 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 and advancing that frame um, and opening up to 360 is really quite interesting because it's not like this isolated curated experience. Like look here yeah. because my, you know, look at this leaf because I've, I've, I've racked focus everything out of focus other than this leaf, you know, like you're going to look at what I tell you to look at. Whereas with 360, yeah, it's like it, here, experience this as if you were here kind of. Yeah. Like I think it's a totally different perspective and point of view, right? Cause with traditional filmmaking, it's about a lot of it is about like, if I was a person there, what would it look like? So if you think about a lot of movies, like for example, like in the movie for love, a lot of uh, the scenes just use a lot of like, foreground framing to frame the characters and it's about so that gives you a feeling of like you're spying or you're kind of looking into something whereas with a lot of this cameras it is about having like a god's eye view right it's not about just i'm i'm forced into this one perspective of seeing this narrative or seeing the story it's like there is a whole world that's built around whatever is happening and you get to experience every part of it and you know you look around and a lot of things are happening at once and i think Mm -hmm. like that's just maybe a new way of, you know, filmmaking as well. Or even even with still scenes, like you could do a lot more storytelling and world building with, you know, something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's all there, you know, and, and it's like there's never been, I think, a better mm-hmm. time in, in our species for sci-fi to really like ring true because it's we're living on the cusp of so many new interesting things all the way from CRISPR to 360-degree video captures, you know. Think about 360-degree <laughs> video captures that you would go and say, like, let's say, like, hypothetically, you go out to, like, where a murder scene it had happened. And then you set it so that, like, when you go into that experience, like, you've seen, like, you're looking through a murder mystery almost, you know, through the the, the fully interactive experience, you know. Um, how interesting that would be. Or, like, if you were a police officer and you captured every bit of information because you're using 360, and you go back a month later and you look up at the ceiling, there's like this weird thing. And then you do some investigations a la Blade Runner, you know, things like that. You know, it's just, it's really quite endless. You know, it's just, there's so much to it. And there's so much, there's so many new things that are out there on the horizon. But yeah, I think the key is with mm-hmm. all this stuff. I don't know if you have the same mindset is it's all about being open-minded. Don't box your thoughts in and like, just be open to change because it's inevitable and it's happening rapidly. So yeah, and like see it as an opportunity to do something and like make something interesting instead of like, oh, that's a bit scary. I don't want to try it. Sure. Right? Because, you know, you never know what it is until you actually try it. And obviously there's some dangers involved as well and there are some risks. But I think, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm willing to take that risk and just experiment with things. 
Yeah, that's the best so way to approach that's it. That's the fun thing, right, about, about design, about photography. It's just like you don't know where you're going to get. You just need to go and just try it and do it. And maybe it ends up being something really fun or something really great. Damn right. That's the key. I think being action oriented and just being accepting of the action orientation, I think is the key. Cause if you have that mindset and it's about putting in the time and the work and experimenting and exploring, you'll never know. You could read all, you can read every book about design, but if you don't go sit down and, and fail at design and learn how to design works, you'll never know. You'll never know. You, you, you can understand exactly. all the theory. I, I have friends that understand a lot of theory and stuff, but like, it's like, it doesn't help their design because they haven't put the hours into failing or trying things out because it just it takes both of those pieces together i think in my opinion at least so yeah and, and also things are changing so quickly that a lot of what you learn isn't even applicable anymore you just need to learn by like doing it and you know adapting yourself and seeing new opportunities and try to solve those problems instead of like okay well this is the theory this yeah. is what we've done in the past and let's just try to apply that yeah, no, I think that's the key, you know, and being future thinking about it and really keeping your mind open to it. I think it's the key. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing time with us. This is cool. I love seeing that, like, you know, like you have your photography, but then you also have this advanced mind and mindset on this stuff and where you are located right now. It's probably like a perfect example. So I'm really curious to see what you end up taking, you know, from this experience and what you do you know in the future hopefully i get to enjoy one of like the apps that you design or something like that you know so we never know but yeah no i really appreciate you coming on the show and, and thank you so much for your time and and uh, i'm wishing you the best in your creative journey thank you it was really fun actually it was great to have this like discussion yeah yeah it's good it goes by really fast i didn't realize like an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes has already passed so yeah <laughs> yeah because it's just like jamming on things that we really enjoy but yeah you've really inspired me to go out to shanghai um i gotta get out there at some point because i really i'm just gonna go and grab a camera and make a story and then go out there and yeah. film it <laughs> i think that's the approach i need to take because for I think sure it's, it's like just, and not there. just shanghai like shanghai shenzhen guangzhou beijing it's like there's just so much stuff here and like just so much crazy stuff, especially architecture wise. I think you're really, really, really even just walking through like it's very inspiring. I'd probably be blown away. I imagine it's not too bad with like permits and stuff to go out there and film as long as you don't have like a big crew, obviously, of like moving things around. But if you're just on yeah. a small unit, probably go unnoticed, oh, I'd imagine. Right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of what we do is kind of just running gun stuff. You know, yeah, you, that's how I like it, though. It's not. Yeah, you just kind of go, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you just go somewhere else. Yeah. But that's also what I like about it. It's kind of like you take your chances, and usually you end up with something really cool, and you can improvise, and, you know, you figure something out. So I really enjoy doing that. Yeah. No, I love it. That's great. Well, let me know if you're ever in San Diego or L.A. area, and we'll go out on a mission, go take some photos. It's not going to be as yeah, crazy when sure. we go up in the mountains or something, because, yeah, I love there's, it out here. There's so. some cool stuff in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, no. I was in L.A. recently. There's some cool stuff there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this area. Even like you go down to TJ, there's a lot of crazy uh, things to capture yeah. there too. But I mean, anywhere, I think it's about your eye and what you're looking at and mm -hmm. how you capture it. I was just, uh, I'm filming my next film right now, my short film, and we were up in my DOP, the Jolsons and I were up in the can, uh, the mountains where I drive and stuff. And just watching the mist burn off as the sun rises over the trees, like capturing the sun, mm -hmm. sunrise, it's just, yeah, you know, you just can't, you just can't beat that. And that's one thing I love about just grabbing my camera and going, you know, it's, it's just an ex mm -hmm. experience machine. So 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I, I encourage more people to do it because it's just really good to go out there and capture what your your experiences are. Yeah, I don't know if you follow. Um, I have a friend in LA. His Instagram is this minty moment. And it's like all his stuff is like in LA or like that area, but it's like super crazy, like really minimal, but futuristic kind of architecture. And I don't know how he finds that stuff, hmm. but what, like, what's his name? Like this minty moment. So let me, let me this type it to minty. you. I got it moment. I just wanted to, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. It's, yeah, it's like really Man. crazy stuff that you don't really associate with maybe like selling California, but hmm. yeah, it's, it's like, his eye. He yeah, he's catching eye. the eye. This is stuff. Yeah, he's catching the eye with it. Yeah, and that's all about you know the time of day, the location, and and, and your eye to capture it properly. So, yeah, these are great. Yeah, it's it's like this really interesting like hard edge, kind of futuristic look. But again, it's all about the lens and what you're seeing. It, and, yeah, yeah, and it and it also is kind of retro feeling. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. how to describe his work. It's like kind of futuristic, but it's like a retro futurism. Yeah, it's very pleasing. Yeah, definitely. Bit. Yeah, this is great. It's very cool. Yeah, it's crazy where photography is gone and where it's going. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just it's it's changed so much once it became digital. And like, yeah, I think I I I have the same viewpoint as you. It's just like go out there and capture it. And if you're if you're great, you're still great. You know. It doesn't mean that the the, the, the tool doesn't I, define the the means. I think, in my opinion, so yeah, wow, that's cool. And I think it's I think even because I think a lot of people complain about social media ruining photography, but for me, it's like yeah, like there's going to be trends, there's going to be certain photos that are really popular, but no one's forcing you to go take pictures like that, right? Like exactly, you can still make a living trying to do something different. And I think too many people focus so much on how many likes that they get they're like oh but you know i don't like taking these photos but you know to to have the kind of followers that i want or to have the amount of engagement that i want i have to go out and travel and take travel photos it's like yeah. well no one's forcing you to do it if you yeah, don't want exactly. to do it just don't do it yeah no exactly and that's my thought process on it you like you are in control of what it is your destiny don't let it like yeah, I think that's just a weak mindset. It's like, go out there and do it. Be open-minded, be free-spirited, and, and try it. And, and I think that's, if anything, that's what people are going to attach themselves to. You, because you're being free. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Jennifer for coming on the show and sharing her time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 163, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everyone.